0: episode 89 of the shock shock knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network sean st jacques back here with you for another week of knicks and nba talk knicks are back after the all-star break the first game back of the second half is actually going to happen during this recording so we won't be able to talk too much about the result knicks are back in action on the thursday night night of recording against the bucks Really excited that the Knicks are getting back after it. They're a game above 500. After such a good, strong finish to the first half of the season, we will look back a little bit at some of the best parts of the first half and uh, give a few kudos out there, if you will, to some of the better players for the Knicks in the first half of the season. To we'll that later on in the show, we'll also go over some Knicks trade rumors over the last week as well that have continued to fire up as we get closer to march 25th which is the nba trade deadline will the knicks go for it and maybe make a deal or two to try to bolster the roster and really try to solidify themselves as not only a playoff team but also a playoff contender in tom thibodeau's first year in charge and of course we will recap all-star sunday night as well that's probably where we're gonna start a lot of good stuff uh, to look back on, and again, we'll look to the second half of the next season, as well. we did that a little bit last week. But we'll dive in a little bit more uh, after the Bucks game. Obviously, what the Knicks have coming up in the second half of the season, of course, the All Star Weekend, a success, I think, as far as the NBA is concerned, and the fans, part of me as well, are concerned. I think it was a great weekend. I think the fans thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll get to the slam dunk controversy again. It seems like we can't have a year in the slam dunk without a little judge controversy. We had plenty of it on Sunday night at the halftime between Team LeBron and Team Durant. But it starts out with the skills challenge. You know, obviously Julius Randle kind of cooled it off a little bit, didn't go hard in the challenge and, you know, paid the price, ended up not getting past his first round matchup. For whatever it's worth, he was having a lot of fun with his family. That's all you can ask for in a situation like that. In the end, the winner was Demontis Sabonis from the Indiana Pacers. I was in a little bit of an All Star pool with a few former co-workers of mine. I went with Luca to win that, and in the end, it ended up being two big men in the final. It was Demontis Sabonis against Nikola Vucevic of the Orlando Magic, and the Demontis Sabonis show. Went on the road to Atlanta, and the Indiana Pacer forward took a normally guard dominated event, although we've seen Chris Tapp's porzingis win it and other bigs do pretty well. Bigs, the bigs try to show up the guards in that event, and for another year, the bigs hold the skills challenge title from the guards. So it's an interesting one. There are no guards in the final either. That was a bit of a surprise with Chris Paul in the field, Luka Doncic. In the field as well. Neither of them they got they got buys by the way to get to the semifinals. Neither of them got to the finals. So it ends up being a big Indiana's big Demontis Sabonis, who is you know has always been a skilled big man who takes it home after finishing as the runner up a season ago. Then Steph Curry just put everybody to shame uh, in the first round of the three point shooting contest. Had to eke it out. In the final round, Mike Connolly Jr. put him under some pressure, but Steph made the final three on the final rack to take the three-point shooting crown. No surprise there. The surprise was that Mike Connolly Jr. was second, I think. That was the biggest surprise of that. And I said last week, I wasn't sure about Tatum or Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum did get to the finale. I just didn't think he was going to win, and you know, consistency is huge three-point shooting contests and normally the guys that can just get out of their bed and, and knock down a three are the ones that are going to win it and i thought steph was the most likely uh, i think that for me that was an easy pick in that event and he ended up uh it was close but he ended up pulling it out with the last three on the final rack to win his second three-point shooting title this was where the controversy began the slam dunk contest which again was an abbreviated version one less competitor than normal there's normally at least four dunkers in the event there was only three all of them very young inexperienced and I think it showed specifically with Cassius Stanley who I think a lot of people thought was going to win the event either him or Obi Toppin not many people had heard of Anthony Simons at the time at least not in the NBA and Cassius Stanley had a decent first dunk. It wasn't it was very good. It was very good. I think he got a little what wasn't decent was the judging. I think he should have gotten a better score than he got on the first dunk. And then he gave up on his plan with the second dunk. He had a really elaborate plan drawn up, went after it, I think, two times, didn't get it, and then went to a safe option. It was too safe. Just basically threw it up really high and then one hand one hand jammed it. That's not gonna get it done in a slam dunk contest and he ends up getting uh knocked out in the first round Obi toppin's two dunks were fantastic i thought both of them in the first round were really really good um worthy more than worthy of going into the finals Anthony simon's dunks were okay in the first round but i thought i thought he was the third best dunker honestly in the first round i really did i thought Cassius stanley despite missing his tough attempt on the second dunk had a better dunk the, uh, on this first attempt, sorry, his first dunk was better than both of Simon's dunks, I thought. So Simons kind of sneaked in because of the miscue by Stanley on his second dunk into the finale. and then so there was a, that's a little bit of controversy, right? There's a little bit of controversy there because Stanley didn't really get a good good I, I thought he should have gotten a better rating on that first dunk, which could have saved him on the second dunk, but his score was too low and it ended up costing him in the end so simons and Toppin' on to the final and it's one dunk each both guys got one dunk and the five judges all by the way are previous slam dunk champions so these guys have seen everything you would think in an nba slam dunk contest and just utter chaos in my opinion at the end Obi Toppin's dunk was more than more than enough i thought to win the dunk contest he did a free throw line between the legs or you know to step in from the free throw line between the legs dunk much better than i thought uh i should say it, it should have been better more better received than it was in the end by the judges Anthony simons did a did a just a regular dunk in the end he was trying to kiss the rim and didn't even come close. There are people that... There's headlines. Willie he came close. He didn't come close. He did not... You could have put another head almost between him. You could have put a basketball almost between him. His lips and the rim. He was not close to kissing the rim. But because after on his way down from dunking the ball, he blew a kiss. Everyone said, oh, well, what did he do? He didn't do anything. The replay did not show anything. Spectacular. A lot of NBA players can put their head up by the rim. That's what he did. That's all he did. There was nothing spectacular about it at all. And sure as heck, not better than Obi Toppin's dunk. And I'm still upset about this because Obi Toppin clearly won this dunk contest, in my opinion. There is no debate. You could say I'm biased or whatever, but that come on. I, I, first of all, I care about this event too much. I've told you guys this, the dunk contest is something I, I, I think is the best part of the all-star weekend. So it does matter to me. So that's part of why I'm emotional. It's also because it's a Nick, but there's no way you can look at those two dunks and tell me that Anthony Simons gets your vote because remember they didn't score the dunks. All the judges did was say who had the better dunk. and I think that's what cost Obi Toppin. I think that system change, I think if it was a scored system on the final dunk, I think Obi Toppin wins. I do. Because there's no way you can give Anthony Simon's dunk better than a seven. But because he blew a kiss, he did something a little showy at the end, one extra vote goes Simon's way, and he gets the win ridiculous in my opinion and it's the third year in a row we've had controversy with the judges in the slam dunk Obi top in this year aaron gordon who got robbed from derrick jones jr last year it was aaron gordon all the way and derrick jones jr somehow by the grace of the judges got the win and then the controversy did not just hand it to both zach levine and aaron gordon the year before that and aaron gordon got got absolutely ripped off twice by the slam dunk judges so it, it was i mean another brutal showing by judges that frankly should know better i, I mean how do you give anthony simons the nod over Obi Toppin and when you look at those two dunks it it i've already spent too much time on this it doesn't matter in my opinion this is ridiculous now again in the in the end it doesn't matter obi Toppin is going to be fine he probably cares less about this than i do but that is so it's still for me ridiculous why do we do it then why do we do it if you're not going to give the rightful winner the trophy and anthony simon i'm going to say it again anthony simons did not do one dunk that impressed me in the entire contest yes he's a high jumper so is cassius stanley and Cassius Stanley's first dunk was better than An- any of Anthony Simons' dunks. So I, 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 frankly, I'm not having it. That was Obi Toppin's dunk contest taken away. And frankly, when Simons finished his dunk, I thought, wow, Obi Toppin just caught a huge break. Because I didn't think Anthony Simons did what he wanted to do on the dunk. And he didn't he looked like he messed up on the dunk on the way down. You could tell by his body language. He did not get what he wanted from that dunk. And to save it, tried to blow a little kiss to let everybody know, no, 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 I, I, that, I tried to do something there. And the judges completely fell for it. So again, say I'm overreacting, say I'm biased. Obi Toppin should be your slam dunk champion in the end. it it was another just ridiculous, uh, showing from the judges. I don't remember who voted for who, but man, if you voted for Anthony Simons, my goodness, what the heck were you watching? But in the end, it's Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin gets robbed and Anthony Simons wins the dunk contest. So I was disappointed. I was, but listen, in the end, it's, it's, it's in the long run, it's all fun. It's all games, but on the night, Obi Toppin was robbed, no question about it, and anyone that says differently didn't watch the dunk contest, frankly, because Anthony Simons was the third best dunker of the night, he was, and that's including a Cassius Stanley miss on his second dunk, that, that's, what Cassius Stanley did on his second dunk, the safe thing, that was a better dunk than what Anthony Simons did, but because Anthony Simons did a little kiss, blowing a kiss to the judges, they got struck by Cupid's arrow and voted for him instead. So I, I, I don't get it, but in the end he wins it. Hopefully he will be top and we'll get another shot at winning the dunk contest. Maybe next year, you know, he still, he'll have plenty of shots at it if he wants it throughout his NBA career. But for now, uh, Anthony Simons somehow is your slam <laughs> dunk champion. And hopefully he'll be quickly removed from that title next year. Um, And again, it's nothing against him. It's really, it's really against the judges. The judges completely, uh, threw that one away in my opinion and, and for five former slam dunk champions to make that decision, yikes, that was, that was really tough to watch. Um, moving on, uh, to the all-star game itself, uh, where I thought, you know, it was, first of all, it was great to see Julius Randall out there. Um, really excited for him and his family was following the Knicks on social media, throughout the entire event and it was it was just so cool to see him enjoying himself representing the knicks if you if you haven't gone and read his piece for the players tribune go read it He takes a ton of pride in representing this franchise and getting them to this point in this season so and representing them at the all-star game in his first all-star appearance so really really good stuff from him exciting to see him out on the floor it was a decent game i i I honestly was flipping around didn't watch the whole game um and if you did uh i okay (laughs) it was unwatchable at times uh, as it as an all-star game can be but there were some good moments the second quarter barrage at the end from damian lillard and steph curry was great the way that team lebron won it was a lot of fun with a another long three from Damian Lillard. Didn't get to see a lot from LeBron. He played hard early on and then kind of, you know, didn't play for much uh, of the game after that. He only played 12 minutes uh, in total. Giannis uh, was easily the All Star MVP, 35 points um, on seven rebounds for Team LeBron. Curry and Lillard, 28 and 32 respectively. Um, and then obviously Gobert, Jalen Brown, Paul George, double figures. And it ended up being team LeBron over team Durant really could have used Kevin Durant in this game. It was nice to see Julius Randall play for a while. He had 13 minutes off the bench, four points for team Durant and even mixed around, got a few rebounds, got a few assists, did his thing and enjoyed the experience representing the Knicks as an all star. So that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun seeing him do his thing um and i uh, and enjoyed i enjoyed parts of the all-star game it's always one of those things some of it's good some of it's not so great um james harden had 21 for team durant donovan mitchell who didn't do great in the three-point shooting contest at 15 off the bench zach levine had 13 all-star for the bulls irving had 24 bradley beal who could be a, an all-star for a while now if he keeps up his great play at 26 zion williamson was a late addition to the all-star starting lineup he only had 10 points in 14 minutes jason tatum uh 21 points and Kawhi leonard who i thought would have a much better game uh had eight points did have eight assists and nine rebounds but i thought he maybe would go after it a little bit more in this game it ended up not being the case so but regardless it, it was a fun game Uh, in a lot of spurts, uh, it really nowadays in the all-star game, it really just comes down to who knocks down the longer shots, who has the cooler dunks, who can, you know, complete the coolest, uh, lob or bounce pass or behind the back or crazy combination to get a dunk. Um, and there was a lot of that. So listen for, for fans that enjoy that, uh, I'm sure you were excited. I enjoyed some of that. Um, for me, I, I really just wanted to be a, as competitive of a game as possible. The game was never really that close. Um, the second quarter in particular was a route in favor of team LeBron. Uh, I think it was 60 to 41, something like that. Uh, team LeBron outscored Team Durant in the third quarter. And then after that, it was really, uh, there was really no coming back. I think the final, well, this was the other thing. And I I'd forgotten about this until I watched the end of the first quarter, uh, teams win quarters. And when they win a quarter, obviously money goes to an organization uh, and then, and that's fine. But, uh, although eh, there was a debate over whether the NBA should be giving more money, you know, that's, that's a conversation for a different day, uh, in my opinion. But, um, the other part of it is is the fact that you know LeBron, I think Team LeBron won all four quarters, if I remember correctly. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think they won all four quarters in the final, I think, was one seventy. And it was the first it was first to one seventy. So I think it was like one seventy to one fifty. You know, not close at all. To be fair, there's been a lot of All Star games that are not close, but those are not the memorable ones. The memorable ones are the close games. Um the other the other thing that continues is Every team LeBron has been on, I believe in the last four all-star games, I have to go back and check. Uh, I think it's four all-star games now in a row that LeBron James, whoever, whichever team he's been on has won. So, uh, it's one of those things where you, uh, (laughs) you know, I think, I think the last, so this year he wins the two years before he beat team Giannis in two different iterations. And then I think the year before that, uh, I don't know if it was a team LeBron, but I think he was on the winning team again the year before that so it is what it is uh, at the moment but and again doesn't matter in the grand scheme but if we're talking about entertainment we're talking about getting it right it would be nice if it was a more competitive game but that but then here's the other thing this is the one year one of the years where the draft actually hurt the competition of the game the teams were not picked very well in the case of team durant they really did not do their team justice with some of the picks they missed here, obviously, you know, Giannis, Steph, Damian Lillard, um, Jokic, all on the same team with team LeBron, you know, that's a huge disadvantage for team Durant without team, you know, without Kevin Durant in there. If Kevin Durant's in there, maybe it's more even, but he did not play. So, Team Durant was at a huge disadvantage and were outstarred and outmanned by Team LeBron, frankly. So it ended up being a, a relatively easy win for Team LeBron in the end. Let me know what your thoughts are on the All Star game and on the dunk contest controversy as well at STJ7 on Twitter or postingandtoasting.com. Shock, shock, Knicks podcast in the comments section below. Let's take a break here when we come back. We'll dive further back into the Knicks, second half of the season. Game going on as we speak. Right now, as we record the podcast, you guys will know the result of that. We'll touch on that. Knicks second half of the season, the schedule, and also potential trades as we get closer to the NBA trade deadline that could help the Knicks push towards a playoff spot. All that and more is coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting. Podcast Network. second half of the show, it's all Knicks here. We've done our all-star bit. I've had my fun uh, di- dissecting, I should say, and diagnosing <laughs> the all-star game festivities uh, too much, probably more than anybody you know, because uh, I just enjoy it so much. But we'll dive now back into the Knicks, second half of the season. Knicks are 19 and 18. They had a great first half of the season. Before we you know, look at the schedule again and we dive into some of the trade rumors and And things like that you know as the knicks prepare to try to you know get back to the playoffs and potentially make a run if they can get a good seed in the eastern conference playoffs i just wanted to highlight a couple of great players from the first half knicks right now obviously are 19 and 18 coming off a win over the pistons just before the break at home a crucial win to be a game above 500 at the halfway point of the season but i just wanted to highlight some guys because we've talked about some guys here and there at the halfway point considering where the knicks are considering the success they've had under tom thibodeau who deserves an immense amount of credit obviously there's a ton more work to do the knicks right now are in the fifth spot in the east a half game up on the miami heat for the five spot and they're a half game back of the boston celtics for the four spot and obviously there are teams like the hornets the raptors the bulls and the pacers who are all within two games of the and within two and a half games to be fair as well of the boston celtics so there's a lot of time a lot of games to be played but i did want to give a lot of guys at least a few guys a shout out here for their first half performances and obviously julius randall tops the list averaging over 23 points per game and all-star for the first time in his career he you know the knicks would not be where they are without julius Randle, and i know there was talk a lot in the beginning of the season specifically uh in the preseason, about trading him at some point this season if he had a good year it's gotten to the point now where you can't do it you know we obviously want to see what it looks like towards the end of the season and and a potential playoff run for the knicks but it's really impressive to see what he's become in his second full season with the knicks so it's really impressive his first half it deserves a lot of praise no question about it second for me i think the next guy i think of with this first half is emmanuel quickly i know there's maybe a couple other guys on the pecking order but quickly has been one of the best rookies in the league i think he's in the rookie of the year conversation he got snubbed for the rising stars game which i thought was a little harsh um and we'll get to the to rj Bear, who did make the team in a second but Emmanuel quickly as a, as a rookie guard has been fantastic for this Knicks team. He's been much needed. Has a great boost off the bench for this Knicks team. Can shoot the heck out of the ball. G- can be inconsistent, but I, but I think the youth and sometimes, you know, the uh, the novice part of his game can be really helpful. You know, ignorance being bliss at times for Emmanuel quickly. So it's, it's really a lot of fun to watch him and, and bring the energy that he does to the Knicks every night it has been a lot of fun. The next guy for me, you know, I'm going to go to R.J. Barrett. And I know that the numbers, I've been a little Jekyll and Hyde for him this season. But he's had some huge games. And he's been one of the most consistent players for this Knicks team as far as being on the floor. And he's made an impact a lot on this season. Obviously, again, scoring-wise, efficiency-wise, he has been up and down. But I think when you look at his full first half, Knicks are you know Knicks are not in this good of a shape without him and his scoring load and his ability to stay on the floor you know he gets a lot of minutes man he gets i think the second most minutes on the team per you know on average so he's a huge part of what tom thibodeau is trying to do and when he gets that consistency down with his scoring he's going to be very dangerous moving forward so i wanted to give him a shout out as well now some of the role players that i think deserve some love as well and the first guy for me uh that needs to to get a huge shout out in my opinion and he hasn't been with the team long but derrick rose only 10 games he's played with the knicks he's become quickly one of the knicks most important players and it's been extremely fun to watch him and tibbs get back together and just continue their great relationship on and off the court So I'm extremely excited to see what he's going to do in the second half of the season. You know, I think another guy that deserves a shout out. I mentioned him last week is Nerland's Noel coming in for Mitchell Robinson, who's been out for a while now, you know, with an injury Nerland's Noel has now played 10 games as a starter and has played 32 games overall and has just been a junkyard dog for this Knicks team. And and these are the kind of guys, and I said this last week, it's worth saying again, These are the kind of games, the kind of performances, the kind of players you remember when the Knicks start having success at the end of the season and potentially in the playoffs. Those are the kind of guys that you remember their performances because those were important to get you to this point where you're now having success in the postseason potentially if the Knicks can get that far. So I think he deserves a ton of credit for how he has performed in the first half of the season no question about it. And I do want to give one more little shout out as well to a guy like Alec Burks, who does not get a ton of credit at times for the success of this Knicks team. He's had some huge games off the bench for the Knicks this season. No question about it. He's dealt with some injuries himself, but the Knicks are a better team when Alec Burks is available. And obviously, Reggie Bullock's had a huge part in the season as well. I know you guys have ripped him. But there's been a lot of times where Alfred Payton, despite some of his struggles, has been crucial to this Knicks team as well. So it's been great to see a lot of those guys do their part moving forward. And hopefully that continues. Obviously getting Mitchell Robinson back at some point will be crucial for this Knicks team. But I wanted to specifically shout out some of those guys for their great first halves because they deserve it. And hopefully they can keep it going as the Knicks look to close in on a playoff spot at some point hopefully during the second half of the season all right let's dive in quickly to the schedule and then i'll wrap things up with some of the trade rumors that are going around with the knicks in particular i think we'll save the kind of save the best for last in that regard so really quick just want to quickly dive through the schedule we did this last week but i I just wanted to go back through it quickly because it's worth mentioning because now it's in front of us, right? We were talking about it before the all-star break. And I know I forgot about it. As soon as I, uh, as soon as I started getting ready for this week's show, I was like, what did I even say uh, about uh, the schedule last week? I think I spent maybe five, 10 minutes on it last week. And I wanted to get back into it because it's more fresh in our minds. It's now in front of us. The Knicks will be done with one second half game. Obviously by the time you listen to this podcast, the Knicks are at Milwaukee on the Thursday night. The podcast comes out. On the Friday morning, so I won't have any comments on that game until next week because we don't, you know, I'm recording it while the game's going on, so I won't be able to give you anything. You'll know the the final score. I will not at the time of recording, but I will for next week. It'll be part of next week's uh, re- recap if that's the way we decide to go for next week's show. Obviously, right out of the gates, very tough for the Knicks. Four straight road games: Milwaukee, OKC, Brooklyn, Philly. But but opportunity knocks here chance to get a little bit of revenge from the from the home loss to okc earlier in the season and then division games where you can really start to stamp down the authority you know plant the flag as they say i, I think this is a big opportunity that brooklyn game in particular i think would be a really nice opportunity for the knicks to say our we're here the atlantic division has another team in the in contention and we're in the same damn city that you're in Brooklyn. So I, I that's that's my thought going into that game. That that could be potentially a statement game for the Knicks. The Knicks play Brooklyn twice on the road within the span of a, a little under a month. So those are two big games in my opinion. I think if the Knicks get one of those two at Brooklyn, that's a big confidence boost. They play them on March 15th and then April 5th. Those feel like some statement games to me. If the Knicks can get one of those, those are big confidence boosters for a young up and coming team. Then four big home games, Orlando Philly, and then two huge games against Washington. Those are big games that the Knicks need to get. You know, those are the kind of games they need to check off as wins, not just because they're W's and they're Washington, but you, you, you've got to be able to, to, to knock those out and grab dubs from those games. Those are big, must win games for the Knicks. No question about it. And obviously if you can grab one of those two against Philly, home or away, that would be impressive as well. But then, you know, again, more winnable games. Milwaukee on the road again will be tough. Miami at home, then at Minnesota, who's turning into having a dumpster fire of his season. Dallas at home, Detroit on the road, then that Brooklyn game, then Boston on the road. And then Memphis and Toronto in, in early April come to town again just more opportunities seriously more opportunities for the knicks getting you know into the month of april and then there's this crazy stretch at the end of the month that we've talked about a little bit on the last show but it's worth reiterating you know again these could be make it or break it stretches for the knicks the knicks have and i gotta count them because there's so many six home games in a row from april 18th to april 28th and i just hope the garden he's rocking for those games I, I really expect you know hopefully there'll be maybe a little bit more fans let in if the, if the covid rollout continues to be as successful as it is with the vaccines and then you know and then we look into you know being able to to gain some ground or maybe solidify a playoff spot during that six game run all six games winnable charlotte after or sorry new orleans charlotte atlanta toronto phoenix chicago a very very winnable stretch for the Knicks, no question about it, and then a very difficult six game road trip right after that: Houston, Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers. Very tough, which makes that that six game homestand just as you know, just as much more important as you thought. You know, it's vital that six game homestand at the end of this season for the Knicks going in to that late stage of April yeah it's massive for the knicks it really is so if they can grab maybe four or five of those you feel a little bit better going into that six game road trip where you're hoping maybe they grab two or three you know that kind of a thing and then they have three huge home games to finish off the regular season at least as it stands at the moment 13th 15th and 16th of may san antonio charlotte and then boston all at the garden you know, hopefully the Knicks have wrapped up a playoff spot by then, but they could be crucial games. You never know. It's tight right now in the East from around four till nine, roughly. So the Knicks, you know, have got to keep it up that that's the thing, but the opportunities are there March and April in particular, huge months for the Knicks before everything winds down with that crazy six game road trip and then three huge home games in May. So, we'll see. Again, let me know your thoughts, where where the opportunities could be for the Knicks late season as they try to fight for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Exciting stuff. We'll have to see, obviously, how it pans out. But for right now, the Knicks are one game above 500 and hoping to make it two above 500 in Milwaukee tonight. You guys will know the result of that when the podcast goes out. All right, let's finish the show talking NBA trade deadline involving The Knicks. Now, there was an again. We we talked about this in the past. You know, some rumors are more you know noteworthy than others. You know, Tom Thibodeau came out earlier this week, told reporters, said, "quote I have a strong bias towards good players. I know they're looking at all the possibilities. If something makes sense for us, we'll do it. If not, I love the team we have. I love the guys that we have on this team. So that's great to you know. He's got the confidence in his team, which is great and obviously rightfully so." It, you know just the bias for good players thing was just one of those things oh okay good you know you you like players that are actually good at basketball that's great it just it's just one of those cookie cutter things that coaches will say from time to time but again you know the Knicks are kind of taking it one day at a time it seems with these decisions and rightfully so you got to be you got to be ready to pull the trigger Leon Rose obviously has done a great job so far in his first season as a GM partnering with Tom Thibodeau and being able to build you know a solid team it's been a combination of through the draft and through you know very creative but also very savvy signings in free agency so got to give those guys some credit for the start to you know this first half of the season as well so just a couple of the trade rumors that have popped up over the last couple of days uh really over the last week um the latest the latest big one reported by mark berman of the new york post frank nilakina could be on the block uh, presently on rose according to the new york post is seeing if he can upgrade their current talent specifically in the backcourt and specifically with current rocks uh, excuse me excuse me current rockets guard uh victor oladipo who has been linked before uh with the knicks there has been some you know, fans famous fans and other fans. Uh, one one person sent me a tweet that I've seen in other articles from Jerry Ferrara, basically saying that Nilekina is 22. He's getting better on defense, has a great coach, staff behind him. And he, then he said, that's all. And it's like, well, that's not enough. <laughs> in my opinion, that's not enough. I mean, if you if you can get Victor Oladipo by giving up Frank Nilekina and maybe another piece or maybe another pick, something like that, i don't understand why you wouldn't pull the trigger in my opinion and clearly the knicks see it the same way if you can get a deal with Frank Nilakina as a part of it he's not been a big part of the team this year he has been fine at times of late but he's not been a crucial part of this team in any stretch of the imagination if he could be part of a trade to upgrade the backcourt, where you don't give up a lot and you get victor oladipo i i think you have to take that deal so it, it's it's one of those things where yes there, this 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 side of the fan base that that still is you know hopes at 22 that frank nilakina can be something in two or three years you, you can't bank on that and i said that a year ago he's not shown enough as a nick to tell you That he's going to grow into that role. And we can't keep asking the same question over the next two years. You can't do it. So again, I say this Victor Oladipo is on the table. And it takes Frank Nilakina, maybe another player, and a pick to get him, depending on who that other player is. It could be it could be Austin Rivers. It could be, you know, Kevin Knox. Probably Kevin Knox, more likely. Forget about Austin Rivers. He's really faded this season but you know what i mean a veteran kind of player or maybe a guy like that's younger and like kevin knox you've got to think about it you got to think long and hard about doing that deal you really do in my opinion you've got to think long and hard about doing that deal seriously victor oladipo is a guy that wants to be here he has said it in the past and he is going to be he, he would be a guy that elevates the next to the next step they would go from playoff team question mark to playoff team slash possible contender. No question about it. So that's, you know, that's potentially on the table. The Knicks have to consider that other Knicks trades that are being rumored one. We've talked about involving Lonzo ball, potentially being in the mix in a number of rumors going to the Knicks, again Mark Berman of the New York post saying that not only Lonzo ball, but also a new name that we haven't talked about yet on this show, Hornets guard, Terry Rozier are both on the eye of the Knicks as potential point guard trades or guard trades to upgrade the backcourt. But it's worth noting. Mark Berman also mentioned that in the case of Lonzo ball, he would be more likely to be a summer transaction. So if they were to go after Lonzo Ball, it's more likely they would do it in the summer than before the NBA trade deadline. However, the Knicks have their eye on Terry Rozier. They've kept an eye on him for a while, and they're they're thinking about potentially making a move for him if they get the right price. Again, for me, I'm a little hesitant on the Lonzo Ball thing. When you look at Terry Rozier... Terry Rozier is an interesting one because he obviously had those great years in Boston. They didn't feel like he could continue it, at least not for the price that he wanted. And they got rid of him in Charlotte. He has continued to be a very strong NBA player. His numbers have, have gone way up from even those years in Boston where he had great playoff performances. He's averaging 20 and a half points per game this season in 35 games And he's been very efficient from two and very efficient from three, knocking down 44% of his shots. It's another great option to look at for a trade. If you're the Knicks, because again, right. You're as a Knicks fan base. I've a lot like the most criticized player this season has probably been Alfred Payton. So if you can get, a guy like a Rozier or an Oladipo to pick up that slack, and now you're looking at a backcourt of Oladipo or Rozier, with Rose and Quickly. That's a heck of a dynamic three right there. And then Alfred Payton becomes your four guard, a guy that you just have to, you know, you don't have to rely on nearly as much potentially, or a three guard if if, if Coach Thibodeau is not ready to put him ahead of Emmanuel Quickly. And then quickly becomes another, I still you know, quickly still becomes a very vital piece off the bench for this team as a rookie. So that, that's what I'm thinking. You know, I move forward, looking at the backcourt. Those are the kind of moves I would think about if I'm the Knicks moving forward. So I, I think Tom Thibodeau, when I said earlier, taking his time, assessing the options, obviously looking for guys that can improve the team. There has still been talk, you know, will the Knicks go for it? this year are they going to go all out at the trade deadline and tom thibodeau has said it he thinks they're a good enough team to make the playoffs whether they make a move or not and i agree with him if they stay healthy this team's a playoff team right now it really is but if they want to make that next step and really go for it these are the kind of moves the knicks have to consider and consider very carefully Rozier on the table potentially Maybe Victor Oladipo, Lonzo Ball, there are others. JJ redick has been, been talked about. These are the kind of guys you think about down the stretch going for a title. Injuries will come into account, especially with Oladipo and Redick. But then you look at guys like Rozier, you look at Ball, even Oladipo, those are guys right away. Redick as well, playoff experience, really dynamic shooter, leader in the locker room. Those are the kind of guys you think about. When you think about elevating the Knicks team to the next level and potentially not only making the playoffs, but potentially competing in them as well. Not only making it, but potentially making a splash in the playoffs as well. So I'll we'll have to see what the Knicks decide to do. In the meantime, let me know what you guys think on Twitter at SNJ7 or again, posting at toasting.com under the shock, shock Knicks podcast post. Leave a comment below letting me know what you guys think the Knicks should do. Before the NBA trade deadline on March twenty-fifth. That's gonna do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Guys, thank you so much as always for listening to the podcast. You guys have been here through thick and thin throughout the entire pandemic. You guys have continued to listen to the show. I'm humbled. I'm honored that you guys continue to spend some of your time during each week to listen to me talk about the Knicks. Let me know what you guys think about the Knicks' current situation. I really, really value your guy your guys' feedback. I love you know, talking it up with you guys on social media, Twitter specifically is where I tend to hear from you guys the most. Keep it coming, stay safe out there, so you can continue to try to beat the pandemic, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Nicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.